Hi there. I'm Rob, the writer and producer of the High Desert Podcast and strategic outreach coordinator at the Santa Fe Animal Shelter. Hey, can I ask you a favor? Share this with everyone you know. Unlike most podcasts, this one supports so much more than just the program itself. We want to use it as a way of increasing awareness and raise funds for our organization, a 501c3 nonprofit and the only animal shelter in Santa Fe. We do not receive public funding and rely on help from donors to save the nearly 20,000 animals that we serve every year. Please consider donating, or short of that, telling people about this project. With enough listeners, we can get the High Desert Podcast sponsored. That way, you can save lives just by listening. If you have questions or an idea for a story, please do not hesitate to contact us directly at podcast at sfhumanesociety.org. That's P-A-W-E-D-C-A-S-T at sfhumanesociety.org. Enjoy the show. What does it take to be a shelter that accepts any animal that comes to us? What does it mean to provide the highest standard of care possible for these homeless pets? This week we give you a look inside a program that we are all very proud of and one that sets us apart from most animal shelters or humane societies. Age is a predominant factor in the euthanasia of shelter animals. Elderly or sick animals cost more to care for and are much less likely to get adopted. Instead of writing off these homeless pets like so many are forced to do, we put together a hospice foster program. Here's Chelsea Gregg, the coordinator of our New Hope Foster Program, to explain more. Hospice fostering is where we ask people to take animals into their homes that cannot be adopted, and they will be living the rest of their lives with that foster. Um, And we support fosters 100%. Everything medical, food, bedding, um, anything special needs that the animal requires, we'll give it to them. We we have no uh, limits on what we can give them. I presume that, if you are listening to this, you must be what folks call an animal person. You are with the majority of Americans if you are, but that doesn't make your relationship you've had with your pets any less special. I will also presume that you've probably lost a pet. Whether their passing was due to an accident or illness, the loss is often indescribable. Many who come into the shelter will mention in hushed tones that losing their pet was more traumatic than losing some of the people in their lives. Now, imagine being in that situation every few weeks or months. What kind of person would be strong enough to do something like that? Originally, I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico in June 2008. Came to Santa Fe for a vacation, loved it, came back for another vacation, realized that it was a great place to retire, and also I felt they really needed help with the dog rescue business. That's the voice of Claire Leonard. She's been fostering with us for four years. Um, Claire is the best. Uh, She will take anybody and she will make it work as best she can. Uh, She won't deny anybody as long as she can care for them. She's an amazing person and opens her home to anybody that needs it, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing to find. Well, I know for a fact, uh, in in, uh, over four years, I have fostered over 100 dogs. I would say probably about 30% were hospice, and I've had many, many pass on. Uh, I think I have um, 
I have my new hospice ones are new. The other ones that I've had have all crossed over. And right now I have a Bashan named Chelsea that has a leaky heart valve. And she was found with her paw almost entirely severed by her hair being so tightly wrapped around her foot. And they almost had to amputate it. But Dr. Snook did his magic and repaired her foot. And she's on meds. And she is just delightful and having a ball and doesn't look like she got the memo that she's hospice. Uh My other one that is a much worse case is Javier, the dog that had over a thousand foxtails on him. He's um, struggling a little bit. I'm trying to put weight on him. He's very thin. Um, He is also deaf now because of the foxtails in his eardrums, but he wags his tail. I have to guide him outside. He really, he's also pretty blind. Uh, He's 11 years old. But to see him with the other dogs, and he sleeps in my room on a bed next to my bed, and see him wag his tail every morning, it's worth it. I asked Claire if there was a specific case that affected her more than the others. Well, Raphael was found on the side of the road by a good Samaritan who was walking his dog up in Powake, and the man said that he thought it was a rock laying there, and his head was bloody, like he had fallen, and Raphael, as you know, was about 42 pounds, should have been about 90 pounds, and he took him, called animal control, they took him to the shelter, and the rest is history. He was probably the most famous dog we've ever had worldwide. I mean, I still have people email me and talk to me about him. He really was special. He was very, very sweet and very, I think he was a pretty neglected dog, and I also know he was an outside dog. And for being, I don't think he got much attention, and obviously he was starving, he just fit in like he had lived at my house forever. I mean, he was the greatest dog. He was not a barker. He loved everyone. Uh, He got along with all the dogs. When I used to take him for rides or take him for walks in town, people stopped me and just said, what a beautiful dog. He was just really a wonderful, one in a million personality. He really was, he was special. Wagged his tail quite a lot. And I think what people loved about him is he really fought to live. Because if you saw the pictures of him when he came in, there's no way he could even stand up. And I think they thought they were going to have to euthanize him. But he really, I think, decided, hey, these people are going to help me. And, you know, he really responded. Um, And I always tell the story that I do not cook. And uh, I cooked for him every night of my life that he lived here. Unfortunately, I took him in late November... He was found in October, and I had gotten him up to 82 pounds. We thought he was really doing well. And he died uh, 2014, March 24th, because I had noticed that he had two lumps in his neck. And we took him in, and they biopsied, and it was um, cancer. It's never easy, and I know that they are going to pass on, and I'm always kind of alerted to the fact. But the strange thing is, when I get these dogs and they give me a time frame of how long they think they have left, 
they've always exceeded that time frame. And I have one that I have now that's been alive a year past her, her date. And I think when they get in a loving home and have good food and care and they feel very safe here, um, I think like people, I think they get, I think they have, get a will to live. Do you ever feel uh, discouraged or um, like it's something that you're not able to handle? No, never. As you can tell, Claire has no problem being direct. It's a necessary skill to do something like this. Providing end-of-life care for animals is a pretty modern phenomenon, at least in our culture. Our Compassion Services Manager, Justin Irwin, to explain more. So what we have with end-of-life care is when we have an animal that doesn't necessarily meet any of our standards for adoption, but isn't uncomfortable and isn't in pain. So we try to find some way to fill that gap, that little space in their life, where we want to make them comfortable for the rest of their lives. There's no point in euthanizing them. And what would have happened to an animal in this situation prior to hospice fostering or like having any end-of-life care program? We would have, in the past, euthanized them. We have no way to care for them properly. For centuries, dogs were a utilitarian tool throughout much of the world. When they no longer performed their function, they would be euthanized, often at the end of a rifle barrel. This was done with humane intentions, mind you before x-rays, testing, and other technology that vastly improved our veterinary care. The only information that pet guardians from past generations could glean from their beloved animal companions was whether or not they were in pain. Some of the animals that we take into hospice are surrendered. Others are found stray. We often do not know what their backgrounds are, whether they were doted on by a loving guardian before he or she too passed. Maybe they lived their whole lives until this point at the end of a heavy chain. An old, possibly medieval proverb says, whether rich or poor, we are all equal in death. I guess it depends on your perspective whether that idea is depressing or reassuring. Chelsea and Claire and all those involved in hospice fostering are simply trying to allow that equality to bleed into the last few years, months, or maybe just days of life for these animals. There's solace in that, as Claire describes. Humility aside, I, I do feel that I'm very fortunate to have this gift because I never had a dog in my entire growing up life. I rescued a dog at 48 years of age in Atlanta that lived a year and a half. And that dog just turns a light on or something. And I, the day he passed, I went to the local shelter and started fostering. And I have been two feet in ever since, and I don't know, it just, it comes very easy to me. And everybody says that to me, that it's hard. It really isn't. I mean, if you could be, this house is not sad at all. And um, people come here even, some people come to just, um, they feel good when they leave. Regardless of what you think lies beyond this life, no one here questions whether providing comfort to these animals is worth it. For all the joy they provide and the benefit of doubt they give to most of us, an easy retirement is well-deserved. After all, if the roles were reversed and they were aware of our impending demise, do you really wonder if they would think twice about giving us the love we need during our final moments? Thank you so much, podcast patrons. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the High Desert Podcast. 
If you have any questions, please submit them to podcast at sfhumanesociety.org. That's spelled P-A-W-E-D-C-A-S-T at sfhumanesociety.org. And remember to donate on our website, sfhumanesociety.org, or on our Patreon page. Only you can help us keep these animals and this show alive.